The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com I love autumn in New York. I love autumn all over the place because I love the crispness of the air, the cerulean blue sky. I love the leaves changing colors. You want to like, sing the song? Autumn in New York. <laughs> I knew you did. But anyway, I am really excited this autumn, but it's for a different reason. I'm excited because it means the election is just around the corner and it couldn't come soon enough. I want an advent calendar marking off the days until November 8th because I'm so sick of it. I, uh, I'm actually going to be sad when the election's over. Seriously? What is what is going to fill this hole in my life? That's true. I mean, I do wonder what will the media cover? What will I talk about at dinner? What will I talk about in the morning when I wake up? and look at my iPhone and tell my husband, John, the latest, greatest, craziest stuff that's going down. All these things leave you scratching your head. It's enough to make you cry or laugh if you're watching late night television. And if you've been watching Samantha Bee lately, you've been laughing a lot. I've said some foolish things, but there's a big difference between the words and actions of other people. Bill Clinton has actually abused women. Stop! Jesus Christ, Donald, who is advising you on how to deal with your misogyny crisis? Let's also remember that one of the men who is advising Donald Trump is Roger Roger Ailes. Ailes. Of course! Roger Ailes of the esteemed PR firm Ailes, Cosby, Polanski, and Gibson. They're good. I hear they've got a friend on the court. Move over, boys. We We got some estrogen in town. Do you want me to call you Samantha or Sam? I like whatever. I Sammy B. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I like whatever, whatever falls out of your mouth and feels natural is what we will establish. I think I'll going call forward. you Sam. That's perfect. Sam, I am. I love it. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you start this show, mm-hmm. and this gift from God descends. Who, I know. Who named Donald known? Trump. I think he describes himself that way too. <laughs> that, <laughs> a gift very, from God. Yeah. That's very spot on. I know. They were all gifts though. I mean the primaries were amazing. There were some amazing characters in that. And then when they couldn't find their way to their lecterns. I mean there were just so many great <laughs> moments with all of those guys. 
I want to talk about sort of how you've approached this whole mm-hmm. insane period of time. But first, I want people to know a little bit about you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tell us how you got into this crazy business of comedy. Um, I started doing comedy in Toronto. I started doing sketch comedy, actually, with a woman who is on the show now, Alana Harkin, and two other of our very, very good friends. We, um... We did sketch comedy. I mean, we did it. We didn't get paid for it. We just loved doing comedy, writing comedy, performing on disgusting stages in the backs of bars. And so, and I came to it, I think, fairly late in life. I was in my late 20s when I first started doing it. And it took a lot of encouragement from other people for me to even start. It wasn't like in my blood or anything. But how could it not be in your blood? Because you are so funny. Were you you the class clown growing up? No, I'm so quiet. I know. It doesn't seem like I'm very quiet, but really I'm very a pretty retiring person. Like I don't actually like to be the spotlight except for 21 minutes per week. I really enjoy it. And then it is completely out of my system. So in life, fairly shy, always, you know, writing and working. There was a period, a brief couple of years period where I was a hoodlum when my teenage years. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but I worked it out of my system. Those were your James Dean my years, James weren't Dean. they? I did. I had those, but they were short-lived, thank goodness. Then you got a job working, I mean, down the road mm-hmm. on The Daily Show, which mm-hmm. must have been sort of the mother load. At the time mm-hmm. when you got hired, did you realize what a juggernaut that was going to be? It was already a juggernaut to me. It was my, f- I loved The Daily Show. Like, I adored it. I had a special, I almost had a special room in my house that was a watching room. You know, we got, <laughs> it was really the only show that my husband and I really were very dedicated to. And we, we watched it every night. It aired in Canada. So I watched it even in the years when it wasn't, it didn't have that feeling of great importance. Um, I still loved it. I mean, I really loved it. And so, even getting the chance to audition for that show was so meaningful to me. I, It was unthinkable, really, to be living in Canada and audition for a U.S. show. And did, did you have a good audition? Did you feel good really about good. it? It was really good. I yeah. felt great about it. I, I, um, I, I trained for it really hard. It meant, it meant more to me than any other experience of that nature ever. And you've got such a unique voice that is so welcome for me and so many other people in this late night landscape. Thank just you. to have someone with boobs That's making nice. fun of things. I appreciate that. <laughs> so let's, yeah. so yeah. let's hear a little taste of the humor that you honed on The Daily Show. Let's listen to this bit from 2004. Have you had your picture taken with a black person yet? Well, I don't think so, but I wouldn't mind doing it. That's something you'd be willing to try? Why, certainly. There's plenty of them. I know. Do you have any of them in Montana? We don't, you know? We don't have any. Uh, In fact, uh, I guess our kids were pretty old before they saw one. I do love when you go out in the field, as we journalists say. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And the field. And talk to real people. Mm -hmm. That was, tell us about that skit for people who want to be reminded. That was at the RNC in 2004. Um, We were, that was really my first convention. That was my first convention. It was really, it was a free-for-all. We just went out with cameras and just started asking questions. And that was here in New York at Madison Square Garden. Yes, it was. And that lovely man, he was really quite such a nice man, a delegate from Montana, who was <laughs> unfamiliar with the way the world works now. Did you ever feel bad? Did you feel like you were sort of making fun of people who didn't necessarily deserve to be mocked? Well, I think, you know, through the years, I've definitely done that. I don't really I don't really do that anymore. I, you know, I think my position on that 
evolved over time. When it comes to figuring out the tone and the material you're picking, I mean, Mm -hmm. I guess, take us behind the curtain, Sam, a little Mm -hmm. bit and tell us the process that you go through for each show. How do you put it together? Well, you know, we have, uh, our staff is incredible and our research teams and our field department and our writers and everybody, it is a really, I think it's a very free forum for people to pitch their ideas and thoughts about um, Joe and I, Joe Miller, she's the showrunner of the show. She has her things that she's passionate about. I have things that I'm passionate about. And together, we create the template for a show. It's the stories that we read or think about that just, you know, there's something that just happens where you just know it's a story that you can tell, that you want to tell immediately. We're really kind of running the show on a very gut level, which I think is why it's why we're enjoying the experience for sure. And your show now is very different, obviously, from The Daily Show. It's, yes. it's once a week. It's not mm-hmm. every night. Yep. You're not playing a character anymore. No. You're not the fake news correspondent. No. I don't even know what to call myself anymore. I don't even know what I <laughs> I don't I'm like creating a new category of But you're you now, right? You, is, yeah. that, is that liberating, scary, some combination of the two to have to have your own sort of point of view about this it's stuff? It's really liberating. I don't find it scary at all. I mean, you have to know... You have to know yourself, that's for sure, because, you know, if you don't want to do something in which your opinion wavers or you're unsure. So you have to be pretty solidly of a mindset about something in order for it to, you know, in order for it to resonate as a piece as well. So I think that makes sense. And certainly, um, I love doing field stuff. It's my, you know, it's, it's what I cut my teeth on. So if we were on more than once a week, we wouldn't be able to do that. So when your show launched earlier this year, you had a great tagline, which was, watch or you're sexist. I loved it so much. And I'm so sad that we have to retire it. <laughs> and Why I do think, you? Maybe we don't. I don't, I don't think know. you need to. It's the best. And you are the only woman in late night TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not the only woman in streaming, if, right. if one were if to you count that. Include. But in terms of late night TV, sure. you're the, and do you feel a special... We're more late night adjacent. I mean, we are on at 10.30. <laughs> late night <laughs> so adjacent. We kind of get lumped into it, but we're not I have a quite. new kid. That's very late night oh, for that me, is. That's actually. that's late night for me, too. That's true. So do you feel a special obligation or responsibility as the only woman, or do you just you want to make people laugh? No, I don't feel I should. I guess I, I guess I should feel that obligation, but I actually don't. And I, I think that's a good thing because you know we have to keep it a little bit small. You actually have to keep it very to to give yourself freedom. You can't think too much about how you're perceived in the outside world. You can't be obsessed with it because it's it's really paralyzing. Like if you thought, you know, the moment that you create creative content through committee, it's it's very it's difficult to make a pure product, and it's so I, I keep it very tight. And it's helpful actually that I have three little kids at home because it limits the amount that I can crawl up my own ass about things. To be honest, <laughs> like it keeps <laughs> sounds really pleasant. That sounds nice, right? Um, but you know, you can't. I guess. <laughs> it limits the amount that I can overthink things because there's just too much going on. You know, work is work, home time is family time. And so there's no, <laughs> there isn't a lot of space to get too self-indulgent or you, reflective. You have three kids, as you said. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you let your kids watch watch this stuff? Do you talk about it? Uh, we do talk about it. I mean, they're pretty young. They're 10 and younger, so they don't have a real handle on it. You know, we listen to NPR in the morning, so they hear it. They definitely know what the tone is, and we they were definitely wanted to watch the last debate, and I let them do it. 
And they stayed up for the whole thing, which I think is a remarkable feat for three little kids. How did you explain that to them? They, you know, they have a hand, they, they do, things seep in. The right things seep into them. They they are not a fan of coarse language at all. If they catch my husband or myself using it, they are incredibly disappointed in us. So, do you have a curse jar where you have to put a dollar in? Not quite, but they are truly horrified by it. So, they mostly remember the Anthony Weiner story from a couple of years ago. That was hilarious. To oh, them. that's definitely and so the one they, to remember. And you know, without explaining to them, they completely understood that. So, they have a much greater understanding. It wasn't <laughs> very complicated. It wasn't story. super complicated. <laughs> How do, you, how do you explain, though, Donald Trump's language persona and sort of the way he's conducted himself to your kids? You know, I, to be honest with you, I haven't had to explain it. They understand who he is. They've been drawing pictures of him speaking for months. I mean, since the beginning of the primary process. They've had their own impressions of him, and I let those. I just let those, let those stand. So we're going to take a quick break and be right back with more of Sam B., Before we get back to the interview, we just wanted to say how much we appreciate all the reviews that you guys have left on iTunes. And in fact, Katie and I wanted to read a few that we found particularly edifying or amusing. Simply Smart wrote, love this podcast. It's got all the ingredients to keep me checking the list and downloading with each new entry. Katie is likable. Wasn't a fan. (laughs) I am now. Yeah, a little bit Oh, thank you, Simply Smart. You're not as smart as I thought you were. (laughs) But thank you for the kudos. And just to show this isn't pure propaganda, WJVJR says, content is engaging, but there's no need for a legit journalist to casually swear. On the other hand, I like her impromptu bursts of singing. With It Cat wrote, this is up there with This American Life and Death, Sex, and Money as one of my can't wait for a new episode podcasts. Highly recommended. With It Cat, thank you very much. I love those podcasts as well. So, That puts us in very good company, and we're really appreciative that you're liking this. Thank you for taking the time to review our show, and we'd be grateful if more of you did the same, especially if you like it. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow The Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. 
If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. We're back with Sam B. Hi. Sam Bry, Kate. (laughs) So we've got some listener questions. People actually took the time to call in and leave a voicemail for you. That's very sweet. Thank you so much. So let's listen. Hi, my name is Morgan Easterly, and I have a question for Sam B. I love Full Frontal, and I love that you attack women's issues with such beautiful ferocity. So my question is, do you feel alone in the way that you choose to fully take these women's issues on with the power and with the intent that they deserve to be taken on? Or do you feel like other people are championing these things the same way that you are? That's so interesting. That's a great question. You know, I I don't feel I don't feel alone. I understand that you know a lot of the issues that we talk about on the show aren't being really attacked satirically, but people are doing people are working so diligently on these issues. We did something about we did a story about the rape kit backlog <clears throat> and um you know, I think it helped it certainly helped to push a little piece of a closing a, a loophole kind of pushed a little piece of legislation forward. I think it brought attention to the issue and maybe helped move things a little bit more quickly. But And then um, people were very quick to think that we would take responsibility for it. And I really want to make sure everybody knows that there are people, hundreds and hundreds of people and attorneys and activists and people who... Like Mershka Hargitay has been working on that issue for a long time. For a long, 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 long time. It's not just, you know, one little comedy show doesn't really quite push things over the top. It's not just one celebrity. It's other celebrities. Yeah, it's (laughs) only everything is... Every issue can be solved with the right ratio of celebrities. Was that Kim Kardashian? No. Does it sound like her? A little bit to me. Yeah, I don't know. On on the other hand, though, you know, you get on... You know, you talk about an issue on a show like yours, and it does have the ability to permeate, you know, in a way that a news story doesn't. There's something about it that really connects the audience to the cause, and I think you did that so beautifully with the Syrian refugee crisis. Because I feel like there's so much out in the ether, I think, that becomes a mantra for people, especially depending on their news source. And nobody is able to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, let's give it some context. And I think that's what you did with the Syrian refugee crisis. Tell us about your thinking behind that and why you wanted to cover it that way. Well, I have to say that the refugee crisis, I can't even explain why. But it is a matter that is so close to my heart. I think about it a lot. I think about how, you know, if ways to tell more stories, ways to bring more attention to it. So, you know, with the show, we had the opportunity to go to Jordan and meet with refugees. And I think any opportunity that you can take to to humanize people 
is a great opportunity. Where did you do the interview, Sam, where you talked to the refugees and mm-hmm. you were teaching them funny like words like gluten-free? Oh yeah, that was in <laughs> Jordan. They were um all of those all of the people in that program. That was the last the last stage of your of the vetting process is trying to acclimatize them to life in the United States, trying to teach them a little bit. They have to pass a course right at the end. So they've gone through all of these safety checks and security checks and background checks and and health checks and all of these different things. And then right at the end, they have to take um, a course for a couple of weeks on American culture. So I happily took over the class that no one asked me to take over. In America, people wear sweatpants all the time. Important. Take notes. Can you wear sweatpants to your own wedding? Yes, you can. Those are formal sweatpants. You have to buy them at J. Crew. But it's such a place of at the resettlement place in in Jordan. It's a happy place. Everybody's on their way somewhere. You know, families are kind of getting together and they're going. It's it's mysterious and it's scary, but it's also hopeful. You know, everybody, listen, in their dreams, everybody wants to go back to their home in Syria and live the life that they were living before the war. But it's not possible. So why not try Chicago? And what's your view of Donald Trump making the Syrian refugees a big political issue? I mean, his son actually tweeted, as you know, that if you have a bowl of Skittles Mm -hmm. and one or two of the Skittles could kill you, would you take a handful of Skittles? Ergo, we shouldn't take a handful of refugees. I think it's appalling. I think it's, they're just quite literally feeding people the worst, most vicious, toxic misinformation. These These are human beings. They are vetted. They are literally spreading lies. I find it reprehensible. It's absolutely anti-Christian, anti-American values. It's everything that is wrong with the world that we live in is that kind of feeling of us and them is so destructive. It actually makes me feel physically sick. Well, that's actually a pretty good segue to one question I wanted to ask you, which is perusing some articles about you. One word keeps coming up, which Ooh. is anger. Oh, so the LA Times. Like, oh, you mean hot, <laughs> <laughs> sensual, <laughs> sizzling? I wanted to focus on the more intellectual word. <laughs> sure. So the um. LA Times used "angry white female" as a headline. Oh, the Atlantic God. did a piece, "The Anger of Samantha B." Rolling Stone called you outraged. Aww. Are you really that pissed off? Well, here's the deal. Like, well, I mean, yeah, I, yes and no. I mean, I think we can all summon our outrage on specific stories. I don't stalk the earth like an outraged anger demon. Like, <laughs> have a very level-headed approach to life and living. Um, you know, we have to summon outrage to make the show. We have to tap into that to make a show about things that we feel passionately about. Um, We tap into that to make the show, but we live our lives as normal human beings. But it must feel good to be able to express that anger. You know, one of these articles talked about, you know, there was a time where women wouldn't feel comfortable Mm -hmm. expressing their anger. So in a way, this is a real, this is real progress for women. 
great, good. We should be free to speak our emotions. Like, you know, I'm I'm turning 47 next week, actually. Happy and birthday I'm, in advance. Thank you. And I'm just beyond, I'm just done with it. You know, it's actually very helpful. And I think that our experience is unique in television. As You know, Joe and I, we laugh about this all the time because we're both in our late 40s and we just don't care anymore. Our ambitions... Like this is our ambition in television. We are we are living it right now. So there's no future prospect that we have to be careful about. Although for Hillary Clinton, you know, it's still a big problem. You know, sure. have, giving her permission to be honest. We have a clip about her first debate performance okay. from the show. Let's listen. What she needs to do is provide the substance with the entertainment. Yeah. Come away enjoying it. Be a happy warrior. Enjoy what you're doing. You know, have a little lightheartedness. Show yeah. some humor. So be perfect, but not too perfect. Save us from fascism, but like, don't be a bitch about it. <laughs> no one was suggesting superficial changes for Trump, like try wearing a suit that actually fits or embrace your baldness proudly or don't snort your way through the debate like Jean-Pierre's prize truffle pig. But you have to feel for Hillary Clinton in some ways, don't you, Sam? It's a very, it's very interesting to live life and see this election through the prism of having grown up a woman. You know, it is hard to explain that when you are a woman, usually, I mean, from the moment you're born, you're kind of told how to, how to look, what is pleasing, how to be a people pleaser, how to be agreeable, how to make people at ease with you. It's hard to learn as a woman. It was hard for me to learn to stop being a people pleaser. I still learn that lesson all the time. It's hard for me to say no to people. But eventually you learn it, and then you can't take it anymore. You have to explain to people that when you're a woman and you walk the planet, people tell you to smile all the time. They tell you how to look. You're constantly confronted with people's expectations, whether you're falling short of them or you're exceeding them. You're constantly told about it. You know, we're so – everybody's so – conscious and aware of it all the time. It's nice to feel free to just throw off those shackles and do the show we want to do. I think that's one reason SNL, that Kate McKinnon's caricature mm -hmm. or whatever uh, of Hillary is so funny because Mm -hmm. you do sort of see that public private conflict. Totally. And they should do something if she's elected of her first day at the White House <laughs> where she just, you know, talk about shackles. Yeah, I know. Right? I know. She does play the character with so much joy. You can feel it. It's it's pretty beautiful. Judgment. Secretary Clinton, do you think you have better judgment than Mr. Trump? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, of course I do. Donald Trump has terrible judgment. He makes bad decisions. He's spent his life cheating middle-class laborers. Laborers like my own human father who made, uh, I, I guess, drapes or uh, printed drapes or sold drapes or uh, something with drapes and he was relatable and I am also relatable. What do you think about some of the criticism uh, late night comedians and people like you have gotten from Folks like Ross Douthat, I always have a mm-hmm. hard time pronouncing sure. his last name, the columnist for the New York Times. Did you read that column? I did read it. And, and what did you, you know, think of it? The title the of the column, was, we should gee, say. It's Clinton's Samantha B. Samantha problem. Samantha B. problem. <laughs> I'm sure it's not the racism that's the problem, Ross. It's, it's us. <laughs> I'm sorry that we're making you all feel so uncomfortable. I don't, uh, I don't take responsibility for, <laughs> I don't think that I have anything to do with Hillary Clinton's rise or fall. I don't think I'm a problem. 
But I guess his point is sort of this this political correctness out of control. Mm-hmm. I sound like I'm channeling Donald Trump in a way, but kind of that that all these institutions are taking these uh, liberally progressive stands, I guess. That late night hosts have become more like advocates for liberal views. Or social than, commentators. Yeah, rather than just comedians who are making us laugh. I mean it's a, I think it's a long I think it's legitimate to say it's a long way to go from Jay Leno's humor, which mm-hmm. was very kind of down the middle, isn't this all crazy, both sides are nuts, to mm-hmm. the position you've taken, which is much more about one side is nuts. Mm-hmm. I'm not really a super huge fan of things that are middle of the road. I don't that's not what I personally respond to as a viewer. I don't like things that are um focus group to death. I like a strong point of view. That's what I respond to. That's the material I like. The show is not for everybody, I would certainly assume. I don't really care. I'm sure TBS cares. (laughs) (laughs) That's great that you don't care. Prefer that. But, um, you know, I think what makes it niche or special in some way is that we're not holding back. And that's that's all we have is the, the purity of our voice. And if you can't handle it or you think that we're pushing, you know, what some people call political correctness, I just call progress. Or decency. Decency. I call, well, I'm sorry that the world is not to your liking anymore and that you feel stripped of your power and authority to speak, but we are tired of not having a voice, and so we will now speak. Do you think any of this has gone too far, like the the rhetoric about safe spaces in universities and only certain ideas are kind of allowed to be disseminated in, you know, particular communities? I don't, I don't, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to talk about in general terms. I think that, you know, it, it is a fine line. I mean, I obviously I'm all for being sensitive to people, but I mm-hmm. think what some find troubling and I have at times is the uh, squelching of sort of free conversation, free speech, mm-hmm. and 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 the exchange of ideas that I think will mm-hmm. move the ball forward in terms of having these discussions that help, sure. you know, at least acknowledge problems and then come up with solutions. I think that's when maybe the quote-unquote political correctness can sure. be an impediment rather than something that builds sensitivity. Mm-hmm. You know, but people have accused me of silencing them on our show, and I I tend to disagree with that. I think I'm just I think I'm just presenting an alternate viewpoint. I understand that it's difficult, and I understand that it's challenging to have your expectations of the world challenged. But we're you know we're not trying to silence anybody. We're not trying to squelch conversation. We're trying to have conversations, and we're just expressing ourselves. And all we're doing is presenting things on a TV show. We're not shutting anybody down, per se. People are free to speak. We're just also free to criticize them for doing so. (laughs) (laughs) I mean. Your former colleague, Jeff Zucker, who now runs CNN, Mm -hmm. uh, gave a speech uh, or was interviewed at at Harvard recently, and he said if his network made a mistake last year, it was putting on these unfiltered Trump rallies and that he regretted doing them. Um, what do you think the media's role is in all of this besides NBC and kind of building up the Trump candidacy? Well, I, I think it is a little bit like that, you know, putting a frog in a pot of cold water and turning the burner on. I mean, we how could anyone have known? I mean, really, how could we all have known? But there were enough times when it's funny actually being away. It's it's something that you always notice when you're 
out of the country and you watch Al Jazeera or you watch BBC, CNN International or BBC, you know, or BBC, BBC, you see that we they don't necessarily fill their airtime with two hours of an empty podium at a Trump rally. Okay? There's other things going on in the world. They will air documentaries. There are global issues we could be talking about. There are stories we could be telling, things we could be seeing, but that camera was very often trained on the tarmac of an airport with the Trump plane, you know, an hour and a half away from arriving, and we're talking about that nonstop for hours and hours. So, I generally object to that kind of coverage. It's not specific to Trump. I generally think that that is a waste of everybody's time. Do you ever wonder if humor propelled this candidacy of Donald Trump's or lack thereof? A lot of people have traced uh, traced back to the White House Correspondents' Dinner in 2011. President Obama famously mocked Donald Trump. (laughs) And we have a clip of that. We thought we'd play it for you and get your take. (laughs) All kidding aside, obviously we all know about your credentials and breadth of experience. Um, For example, uh, no, seriously, just recently in an episode of Celebrity Apprentice at the Steakhouse, the men's cooking team uh, did not impress the judges from Omaha Steaks. And there was a lot of blame to go around, but you, Mr. Trump, recognized that the real problem was a lack of leadership. And so ultimately, you didn't blame Little John or Meatloaf. You fired Gary Busey. And these are the kind of decisions that would keep me up at night. <laughs> oh, ouch. It was Brutal. Brutal. And I don't know if you've watched that videotape, <laughs> but they're showing Donald Trump throughout completely stone-faced. I remember. And not laughing at all, not even pretending to laugh at himself. Mm-hmm. I guess there was an article that George Herbert Walker Bush was someone brought in Donald Trump as a potential VP candidate for him. Oh, okay. In 1988. Right. And yeah. he said, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> so I think he had political aspirations yes. early on, but... Uh, many say this moment is what it was really revenge, right? Crystal, this whole the campaign idea. was kind of um, catalyzed. You know what's in so part funny? by this moment and Trump being determined to show people, no, no, I'm a serious force in politics. I'm not somebody who should just be laughed at. I know someone who was is was a, a joke writer for you know for those at, at those speeches, and I we it's so funny because we were all laughing. We're like, oh my god, he wrote the did he write the joke that. <laughs> that started this whole goddamn mess. <laughs> and and he might have. He might have. I know. <laughs> we have another. We have another listener voicemail with a question. So here we go. Uh, Stephen Colbert, Larry Wilmore, John Oliver, and Samantha B. All disciples of John Stewart and The Daily Show. What does that say about John Stewart? And after his Trump rant on The Late Show, how nostalgic and enjoyable was that to watch? Thank you. That's a great question too. I love I love watching John. I was I loved watching him on Colbert. You know, I he, when he he's done a couple of things on Colbert. I've really enjoyed it. He did something on our show actually. He did a cold open for us that was really funny. Yeah, I you know I don't have much. I don't have nostalgia for the past, but I do think of it. I think of it all the time. It informs everything I do. Really, um, I miss. Yeah, I do miss him. I'm looking forward to his new project. 
Whatever it is, I guess we'll all find out. We have to hear one more Samantha B moment before oh. we, we say goodbye. And you've been so nice and generous. We can't let you go without playing a little of your bit on the Excess Hollywood tape from 2005. Okay. Let's listen. That 2005 Access Hollywood tape wasn't just lewd remarks. Trump was literally explaining a time-tested strategy for sexual assault. In fact, take a tic-tac and grab him by the pussy is the closest thing to a plan Donald Trump has described this entire election. (laughs) What did you think when you first heard that tape? I, it's so funny, someone at work, I hadn't heard it. I don't, I was, I guess I was busy doing something. I hadn't heard it till the very end of the day. And he gave me the laptop, and he was like, I'm just going to watch you watching this video. <laughs> and I, my jaw was, my jaw had completely dropped. And he was like, it gets better. And then, <laughs> and then it happened. <laughs> and then the world shifted ever so slightly to the left. And nothing's been the same since. <laughs> so after the election, are you going to be sad? Brian and I started this by saying, I can't wait till it's over. Mm-hmm. Ryan said he's going to be sad when it's over. <laughs> what? I'm sick. What I can I tell you? I find you remarkable. <laughs> so you're in my camp. I'm in your camp 100%. I can't wait. There's so much other stuff. There is actually so much other stuff to talk about, but we can't. I mean, you can't, you, we can't talk about it. It's completely, we're paralyzed until this thing is over. There are so many other stories to tell. Like, You're not going to miss this serious discussion of the issues I facing our nation? I am sweating. I don't want to, I can't handle it anymore. I just want to know who the winner is so I can live my life. I feel like we are going to need a period of recuperation. We have a great national anxiety. I'm hearing it from everybody. You should have seen my offices on the day of the first debate. We were all pale. People were shivering. I was shivering. I've never. I was you like were we pitted out. Had we all somehow had the flu, just watching with so much fear in our hearts. It's time for it to end. We need. I just. We all need to nationally. We need to cover the country in a dome and pipe in spa music. (laughs) And, you know, there is going to be one more uh, cathartic slash disturbing moment before Mm -hmm. the election actually happens, which is the Al Smith dinner here in New York that actually happens the day that this podcast is released. It's a white tie dinner in which both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump appear. They sit on a dais rather near each other. And the tradition is that they each give sort of self-deprecating humorous remarks at this dinner. I'm so fearful. No, I have to tell you, it is, I've gone for a couple of them and it is so much fun. I couldn't believe that Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump agreed agreed to to go to this dinner and they they do about like a five-minute stand-up. Uh, five or ten minutes, and they obviously get their best writers. So Honestly, I think it is going to be uh, such, excuse me for cussing, such a shit show. Uh, I, I'm actually pitted out thinking about it. Are you it. going this year? I am going. You are going? Wait, do you want to go? <gasps> what day is it? It Thursday. is Thursday. Oh, do you want to go? God. I can't. Why? I'm you have to rearrange your soft drawer. I'm going to be in Miami. Why? By the way, she no. didn't invite me, just for the record. I do <laughs> want to go, but on the other hand, why does anyone want to be president? They have to do that? <laughs> oh, my God. That's going to be crazy. Oh, no. <gasps> I want to 
it goes. Well, so if badly. if if your plans change and okay. you want to be my date, oh, I want to be your date. And so actually, badly. we can bring your husband and because my husband's coming too. Really? We can go on a double date to the <laughs> Al Smith dinner. <laughs> we will all be. I sweating. have other plans. Don't worry. Oh, sorry, Brian. I, I, I'm very busy that <laughs> oh, night. Oh, sorry. So don't even no. I, I'm sorry. Asking. I was just being a mean girl. Oh. I'm sorry, Brian. No, okay. I can try to get you a ticket too. No, it's in okay. the balcony. Yeah. <laughs> our husbands will sweat right through their jackets. Just arcs. Well, you are so generous to come oh, and do our podcast. This is so fun. Isn't she the greatest? She I is love the greatest. Her. We you're agree on this. No, you're the greatest. No, stop it. <laughs> you're the- there are some people who like me too. <laughs> I like you. Oh, I you like can come you to too, Brian. Okay. And <laughs> anyway, thanks so much. And I want to get Thank together you. with you. I do too. All right. Okay. After the election. Oh, we'll be so happy. <laughs> color will come back to our cheeks. We're going to live. That was so much fun. I just love her. And by the way, Full Frontal with Samantha B airs Mondays on TBS at 1030, 930 Central. Do you think she'll be my friend? I think she'll be your friend. I think she already is your friend, actually. I know, but I want to hang out with her. Isn't I want to she eat going like to cheeseburgers with her. Maybe. Yeah, I hope so. She said she was. And all of you were invited, too. Meanwhile, I want to thank Gianna Palmer for producing the show and Jared O'Connell for engineering and mixing it. And thanks to Mark Phillips for our theme music, which I really like. I play it uh, on weekends. Our next episode will air less than a week before Election Day. Yay! So tell us, how are you getting through the final slog of a very long, very tense campaign season? What are your coping mechanisms? Leave us a message at 929-224-4637. So you heard earlier what other listeners are saying about the show. Mostly and nice things. Mostly thank nice you, things. Thank you, thank you, because I'm very bad at taking criticism. Well, what did you say earlier? You take it uh, seriously, but not personally? I didn't say that, but I'm going to start. <laughs> anyway... You can have your say, too. You can rate and review us on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe as well. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. I hear music, but there's no one there. I see blossoms, but the trees are bare. Okay, where's the that's giant from cane? Ca- that's from, okay, gong me. What's up? This is Hannibal Burris. And I got a new podcast coming out soon on the Ill Wolf Network. It's called Handsome Rambler. It's going to be me talking about life on the road, sports, relationships, philosophy, books. Anything can happen on the Handsome Rambler. It's going to be an extravaganza. Check it out. The Handsome Rambler. Coming soon on the Ill Wolf Network. You know what it is. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.